Stardate 0310.2022. Welcome back to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have... Mariah Gossett. It's just me. It's just Ew. you. <laughs> so uh, Clyde and Grant are are stuck in the in the circle Dante overlooked this week. Um, but it's okay because we are streaming the pod live on YouTube on the YouTube eels, um, with all of our brilliant viewers and chatters. Um, and we're discussing two still in abundance of riches for Trek fans, two brand new episodes of star Trek this week. First it's episode two of Picard season two penance cues back baby. And so is, xenophobic authoritarian regimes so uh <laughs> kind of still in existence <laughs> i don't know if they're back they're just okay. still here <laughs> it's just much more on the surface it's, it's a lot yes. worse um but we'll dive into that in a second and we'll also review species 10c the latest episode of star trek discovery season four before we dive into it mariah can you remind folks about uh what they're supposed to do with the live chat Yes. So you should participate. You should ask us questions. You should give us your uh, hot takes. You should uh, also type in capital P-O-D, capital pod in the chat if it's something that you want us to take a look at so that if y'all are intermingling, chatting to each other, we know what to keep our eyes out looking for. You can also put capital H-F to give us your hot take, aka your hot freak of this particular episode, because we want to know what you thought. Um, starting out with Penance from Picard, we're going to try to keep it a little divided, just in case you want to tune out later if you haven't had time to watch Discovery. Um, we know uh, it's uh, a lot of Trek, but we're excited about it, and we're here to talk about it. Um, are you ready to, to dive into it, Mike? <clears throat> Let's do this. Penance, Episode 2 of Picard Season 2, was written by Kiva Goldsman, Terry Matalas, and Christopher Monfet, and directed by... Douglas Aronofsky. Um, you know who had a, a story credit here? I did. I, I think I wrote it into the our, mm -hmm. our notes here. So it was Michael Chabon. Chabon! <laughs> Akiva Goldsman, Terry uh, Mat Mat Matalas, uh, and Christopher Monfet. So Chabon had a story credit. wonder how that worked yeah. out. Okay, well, let's dive he's into it. He's still an EP on the whole series, so he's involved uh, in some way, shape, or form. All right, then. Well, here's some uh, hot freaks. Hot freaks! Hot freaks! Yeah. And if you're watching or listening to us for the first time, uh, we don't do hot takes. This is a Star Trek podcast, so we do hot freaks. Uh, and if you're watching live, please drop your hot freaks about the episode we are reviewing in the chat with HF in front of it. Uh, all right, Mariah. I'm going to ask you, Hot Freak on Picard, Season 2, Episode 2, Penance, The Return of Q. Uh, yeah, great follow-up episode to the first one. Um, you know, we kind of dove right in. They're not wasting any time. We have completely jumped into a different timeline uh, in this particular universe. Picard is still a synth. I like the the little writing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, around that that they figured out. Um we are in a totalitarian regime, which I think is interesting to see that even our beloved characters, even if you had just changed a few things about history, 
they would be the president of authoritarian regimes. They would be generals slicing and dicing heads off. It's just, it's very interesting to see how they've interpreted everybody's uh, future or I guess their selves in this particular timeline. Right. Um, I'm excited by where I, th where things are potentially going to go. Um, I have a lot of, you know, questions to ponder, theories to put out there in typical Mariah fashion. But uh, but overall, I enjoyed enjoyed the ride. We, we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger, and I'm really excited for the next episode. So I feel like it was a solid hour of television. <laughs> okay, before I give my hot freak, I'll yeah. just, okay, we'll dive into it in a minute. Uh, I'll give mine. I really, really enjoyed this episode of Picard. I was like fully engaged, fully entertained, all the way through, I was hanging on every word and just having a blast at every moment. Like I was literally like, it was like candy. It felt so good watching this show. I don't know what it is. It's just so fun this season. I've, I've seen some criticism online about this episode being too dark. And I kind of don't agree with that. I mean, that's fine. But like, I will say the idea that the Trek timeline has been altered to where now Earth is like a terribly violent totalitarian Margaret Atwood escape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is a dark and upsetting idea and concept, but but the tone of this show is just so breezy and light and fun, right? That there's jokes, the camaraderie of the characters and the the optimism of Picard and crew, just like Scooby doing all this shit is just pure joy. And all of that just really balances out or kind of shines away any darkness that this show has. Like, it's just super fun. Like, and I'm I'm just really intrigued about what Q is doing, what's going to happen with the Borg Queen, who this like helper is that they have to look for mm -hmm. in 2024. I mean, they got I their hooks in me, like hats off to everyone making this thing. It's a breezy, good time. It's really giving me like what I want from like a post TNG era Star Trek story, which is like good vibes, good vibes, adventure, solid social commentary, uh, like a smart, optimistic crew trying to do good in the universe. Some badass sci-fi visuals. Um, it's a good time. Like, I can't wait to talk about the rest of this and like the next episode too. Like it's, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. I think it, it to, before we, we jump to, too far in though i did want to just remind everybody um that you can join us on patreon uh and that is uh patreon.com slash star trek pod where you can deep dive and chat all of your theories with us on our slack channel for just two dollars per episode um there's watch alongs happening almost every single night is where we're sort of keeping um lots of fun trek memes that have been popping up with all these new things you get all of the best trek tiktoks everything from dental offices that look like trek to lighting fixtures from <laughs> from trek mm. um so if you want to come hang out with us make sure you visit that link um but mike something that you brought up and i wanted to to dive into is i think you know i know there's a lot of criticisms of the first season but i don't think we could jump in as quickly as we have into this second season without all of that setup of these characters. Right. Yeah. Because I think if I was to jump in without knowing everyone's sort of back history and, and skill sets and how clever they are, that I would have a hard time being like, wait, so they've all just figured out how to <laughs> essentially pretend to be in this totalitarian regime place and still somehow have managed to like 
uh, get in contact with each other. You know, I think I would believe it from seven, obviously, because we, we are familiar with her character prior to, and, and, um, you know, probably the wherewithal of Picard, but I think some of our newer characters, it, it helped to understand everyone's sort of backstory and connections to really, uh, propel this plot forward as quickly as they're able to right now. This season's great because it's really building on the character dynamics and the character histories that were established with all these semi-new Trek characters that we met with Picard season one. And it feels like the showrunners are digging into season one. And it's like, okay, what worked here? Um, what worked was when this crew was together uh, fighting something together and united and sure that... and. And yes, they had conflict in between them, but let's kind of minimize that and not make the show completely about that conflict. Let's make the conflict truly an outside conflict. Mm-hmm. And seeing this this crew gel together is just a blast. Um, but they all still dug at each other. I like that they, they right, kept yeah. their, uh, you know, their... Um, interpersonal issues right so Rafi's little like I see you've worked past your commitment issues in this particular timeline um and uh we also saw Girardi and Rios having their little squabble while they're trying Mm -hmm. to get the the comms and the teleporter to work so um I thought they like you said Mike they did a good job of peppering in some of these lighter moments um throughout us waiting to see if Picard was going to have to execute the Borg queen, which I feel like we buried the lead. The Borg queen is back and we're working with her. And um, I don't know if you caught in the Picard, like uh, office of horrors that he had going on there. Oh yeah. Um, he had gold fucking skull. Yeah. Wild. Um, but there was also, there was like a weird suit that had like a mask on it that almost looked like the Borg queen that we saw on the stargazer. That's interesting because there is a galaxy brain theory going around the internet that that Borg queen that we saw in the first episode is Picard's mother. Um, I, I don't think it's Picard's mother, but I, I don't wonder think it if, is either. Yeah, if that but, is a Borg queen from another timeline or if like this, yeah. if that was the Borg queen trying to connect beyond, you know, because the timeline riff occurred and it was destroying the Borg in some way. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not ready to really theorize, but I'm really on the hook for for all these little mysteries this show is, is, is throwing out at us. And we kind of buried one of the leads with, with the Borg Queen, but uh, I want to talk about Q. But before we do that, I know some of our listeners who are watching live have some hot freaks on the episode. So um, Chupi, Chupi's talking about Q. Um, hot freak. Q went back and changed something. So John Luke wouldn't be destroyed, but he really screwed up and is angrily blaming Picard. Okay. What do you think about that, Mariah? I mean, he, he didn't seem super uh, stoked that uh, Picard was sent in both timelines, no matter what. So it seems like that's just going to be a part of the, the destiny of Picard. And at least in this particular timeline, um, what I thought was more interesting was that Picard noticed that Q might not be well. And so potentially he did go back and change something and then has messed something up for himself as well. Like, cause if you go that far into the past, who knows what Q might have totally messed up into the future, including his own destiny, right? That's true. Because like Picard said, whatever Q did didn't just change the reality for Picard and our main characters. It changed the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. Everything is different. 
Uh, I do want to talk about Q a little more since we're on the topic. I Q, can't believe he slapped Picard in the he face. He slapped him. You know, and I think that was just a um, that was just a signal to us as viewers of like, okay, we know you've seen Q a thousand times. You, we know he's been threatening in a certain way, but no, this time it's something different. He's still jokey and goofy and snapping, but. There's something darker. He has a, uh, a a sharper edge to him here to where he will actually slap the card. He'll draw blood, which he's never done before. And Q himself at, at some point looks, looks like he's sick. Like he mm-hmm. looks like he's a little crazed more so than usual. Like he's not putting on a show. Like he is, has something weighing on his mind, on his consciousness. And like you said, Picard picks that up. So do you, do you think it might be well first of all do you do you find that concept interesting and do you think it was executed well I I do find that concept interesting and so with that I was trying to think of like other potential like options of like did Q have a kerfuffle with like another more omnipresent being potentially and like it it involved him having to go back and change something in the past or um, you know, there always has to be like a lesson involved for Q to get in, involved at all is, is, you know, what's the trial? What's the big question? And I think that's what's been lingering more for me than like, I, I think it's interesting that Q is sick, but I'm wondering if it's he's he needs to be in order for Picard to take it seriously in a way. I don't know. It's um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they tie that all together. But because it um, does throw Picard off. Um, and later on when he catches up with Rafi and everybody, he's like, yeah, it's Q, but also I think Q's sick and it's gone mad. And everybody's like, oh, great. That's, that's great news. So it's, it's definitely weighing on him and it's a signal to us that this is something different, um, when it comes to Q. Uh, yeah, I wonder, I don't want to throw out theories yet because I'm just having fun, like devouring all this and wondering Mm -hmm. what it could be. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what we saw with the um, uh, the meeting with Picard and Q. So, like you said, Picard still has his android body in this timeline. A lot of people are like, oh, does he not have it? Yeah, he has it. But he got it because Gold Ducat, he was in a fight with Gold Ducat. I found it interesting that Picard in that um, menagerie or whatever of skulls, the skull, two of the skulls that were called out were Gold Ducat's and General Martok. Mm-hmm. And those are both DS9 characters. And then we get the ultimate drop in a, I don't think we'll get to see it because now we're jumping into a different timeline, but we get a General Cisco uh, reference mm, yes. in there. We got a General Cisco reference too in, in the in the new timeline. So like, and I know at some point we saw it in the teaser, we're going to get the Reckoning tablet, the Bajoran Reckoning tab- mm-hmm. tablet show up from DS9. So Got some DS9 vibes that are getting me pretty excited about maybe seeing some DS9 people in this in this series. Yeah. And then I think then there's also the potential for something with the prophets, you know, if they wanted to mm. bring that back in as far as like other beings that I, I feel like are sort of Q adjacent, perhaps. Um, uh, but yeah, that was very interesting. I, um, I think the performance I enjoyed the most this episode, though, had to have been Jerry Ryan um, having to be this like authoritarian 
president using all of her. I, I wonder if she feels differently because she's essentially has the vague memories of her Borg self, but does not have any of her Borg implants anymore. And so I, I'm wondering how that affects her sort of like, um, uh, like brain structure, honestly, and like how that changes her thinking and like how fast she can think and, and all of that kind of stuff. It was funny when she woke up because I think the show started dealing with that particular issue right away when she's like writing with lipstick, you know, algorithms and systematically trying to determine whether or not she's in a dream, mm-hmm. like something mm-hmm. an Android would do. And she's like, and then she's testing her bodily functions. It's like, okay, I'm not in a dream. Uh, on first blush, I thought that was funny, but I, I also thought it was a really cool character aspect of her trying to determine, am I still me? You know? Yeah. And then and then we kind of got to see the less precision version from Girardi, right? Because Girardi's like, okay, have I gone crazy? <laughs> am I in a dream? Like, what, have why I died? talking to a digital cat voiced by Patton Oswalt uh, yes. that, that has lots of like hot takes on this authoritarian regime, which is great. Um, it felt very like that cat is like this, uh, this universe's version of like badgy. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I could yeah, see yeah. the cat and badgy. Yeah. And the writers were like, plane. guys, we need something to rival grudge and badgy. Come on. What are we going to do? We've got a Tamagashi cat, um, <laughs> with Pat Oswald quips in it. Um, I really, I really did love the way the characters came together in this one, but I'm going back to Picard and Q, like the reason they're, they're all awake in this new timeline and they know something's wrong. And the Borg Queen knows something's wrong. It's because Q told Picard, well, he gave him a choice. He's like, you can either live in this timeline in the shoes of the general Picard, totalitarian killer leader of the um, the Confederation mm-hmm. and try to wash the blood off, 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 off your hands and atone for all the deaths that he's responsible for. Uh, or you, but you, or you can atone for something specific, and Picard is like, atone for what? And Q's like, oh, you know, and Patrick Stewart. It cuts to Patrick Stewart, and he he doesn't have to say anything. He's afraid, and he Picard knows exactly what Q's talking about, but we don't. And that was super intriguing. So Q says, you have to atone for uh, look at what your fear did. Something based on Picard's fear. You have to atone, but I won't let you do it alone. So his crew is woken up to help him. But what does he have to atone for? Yeah, it seems like, I mean, with all of the flashbacks and things and the people he's been talking to, it's this, it's seemingly this atonement for not ever um, letting himself be vulnerable, maybe, or to, um, to, to, move into a romantic relationship. This feels very large to be like Picard. You never had a serious girlfriend. (laughs) You know what I mean? This seems like a little too much uh, for that to be it. So I feel like there's got to be something bigger there. There seems to be a darkness around his, his childhood, but I know 2024 is far too far back for that. Right. So it's like, what are the chain of events that are going to lead to something catastrophic later in his life? And, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've been trying to like, cause that's only two, two years away. Right. So like, what are things that are sort of happening now that could potentially 
um, move into that direction. And and we can wait a little bit before we get into Mariah's wild and crazy theory corner, but um, so that we can finish talking about some of the rest of this episode. But uh, what did you think about our new uh, Borg queen? Um, I was pretty excited by the Borg queen or the Borg queen torso is I'm, I'm going to call it mm-hmm. the character, the character formerly known as the Borg queen. Now the Borg queen torso. Yeah. I thought it was cool. The reveal was cool. Uh, and then the fact that she also knows his timeline has changed and she seems to have a deeper sense of like, she seems to read people really well. Like she knows like Gerardi is accustomed to unbelonging. And I, I like the idea that she has to tag along with our crew in order for them to complete their, their missions. Like she's part of the Scooby gang now, which is fun. Like when they beamed onto the platform and the, Mm -hmm. uh, and Rios's ship, it pans and shows them all together like a hero shot and the poor Queens there with them. It's like, it's just a blast. I think it's fun, but it's also, it throws in another like element of a threat, you know, because you can't trust her. Um, what is the Borg Queen's actual agenda here? Um, and I thought the performance by Annie Warshung was pretty good, pretty mm-hmm. threatening. Um, diff- definitely different than what we saw from um, from the actor who played the Borg Queen in First Contact and in the um, in the Voyager episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels it feels more real, it feels more threatening. Yeah, I think they they do a good job of finding actresses that all somehow have those like meticulously high cheekbones um, to play <laughs> these board queens. Um, but I, I I'm interested to see. I mean, that's something we've talked about before, right? Is like the Borg are um, only going they're as trustworthy as far as like as long as you're working towards something that benefits them they're willing to work with you right and so i i think we can trust the board queen um as far as we can hold her <laughs> in this sense um and and see how that sort of relationship progresses because i'm assuming like once you're on the ground in 2024 you can't be running around with the board queen so it's like are you really going to just leave her on a ship to do as she pleases <laughs> you know like what are is you, that going to look like are you just going to like holler around in a backpack like C-3PO style in the, in a, <laughs> uh, whatever, whichever Star Wars movie that was. Um, yeah, I, like, we, is she our, uh, you know, in like The Mandalorian, is this like our baby Yoda is having to carry around the bar queen? <laughs> um, she's just going to be eating like people's eggs. Um, we have a few more hot freaks. I just want to pay attention to here. Uh, mm-hmm. Kern says this gave me Star Trek uh, Starship Troopers vibes. Evil fascist Picard killing Dukat, Martok, and Sarek. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the fascism was heavy in the culture here. I, I thought it was kind of comedic too when uh, like Picard is watching like the incel YouTube videos his evil self made. He's like, fuck. it's like after a night of drinking and you realize you sent drunk texts or like video messages to people and you shouldn't have but um i also thought they did an it was an interesting parallel was where they were doing the like um they were going to execute the borg queen that was the same set as uh uh as um 
Starfleet Academy from the first episode. Oh, wow. If you looked, it was the same, like, uh, oh, no shit. Okay. Setups. And so I was like, oh, that's very interesting. They're essentially being like, yeah, if, if this timeline isn't corrected, what was Starfleet Academy, this place for science and reasoning and, and logic and exploration is quickly become just a chamber of death. Um, it is interesting that Starfleet Academy in, in this fascist timeline is still in San Francisco. You'd think it would be like in Florida or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, San Francisco is the head where a lot of evil happens in this country at this point. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah, Silicon it's Valley. Facebook. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, good point. Um, but also with the, you know, with, with comparing, um, like in in that first episode of Picard, that scene at the academy, we saw Picard surrounded by. Uh, a number of different species who are part of the Federation. It was a beautiful yeah. sight. We had Ferengi there, you know, new people. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode, it's all we get representations of all of those species, but they're all dead in mm-hmm. skulls. And yes. it's so much darker. It's just super cool. It's, it's very dark. Um, I also thought it, so uh, I saw online because we know that lower decks is, uh, is Canon, right? So we've seen a flash forward of when they're talking about how O'Brien was one of like the most important figures and there's a tiny Borg child in that classroom. So if oh, yeah. we are to believe at some point, the Borg do join the Federation. Right. <laughs> and you did say that they're, they're trying to stay in Canon with each other, the new shows, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm going to dive into a few more of these hot freaks. Uh, P.W. Gregory says, so glad the show didn't waste time bringing the cast back together. Yeah, right on. Like they were, you know, they were around each other in the first episode, but separated horribly. And just the idea that the show is like, you know what? We threw the rule book out. The world has changed on this show. But let's go ahead and make all the characters we care about, like connect with each other and know what's going on and try to solve the problem right away and do it in a fun, entertaining way. Like I appreciate that. Yeah. It is interesting that we essentially had two team up episodes back to back, right? Like Mm -hmm. they all had to come together to be, to go into the Borg trap and then uh, they all have to come together now to go back and, and save time yet again. Um, I did really like that we got a lot of the references to all of the different ways that we can time travel. Um, shouts to to Aaron and the science team, who I know we're probably working real hard to make sure that we got all of the references correct. Um, but I thought uh, I, I always like when we get to hear like, oh, we don't have to come up with new ways. Here's all the other ways we could have done it. But mm-hmm. we're still going to do it a new way because we, ha- we have to see every way to travel through time on Trek. <laughs> well, well, what's cool is that I think they landed on. OK, yeah, Kirk did the slingshot around the sun twice. Let's do that. Oh, but we don't have a Spock to make the calculations. So that's why the board queen's coming coming on mm-hmm. the ship. She's going to be the the one to make all the calculations. I thought that was just a smart like easy way to get the board queen involved. And also the fact that she, um, she seems to have this second site where she's Mm -hmm. like, okay, here's where you need to go. You need to look for somebody in this place and this time. Um, And she's like a guide, right? Mm -hmm. Which speaking of guides. So um, I want to 
give some rapid fire Mariah Wild and crazy theory ideas before we dig into talking about discovery, because I also thought this week's episode was very exciting. Um, so I had a couple of thoughts because they have to f- link up and find um, a guardian, a watcher of sorts. Right. Watcher, so yeah. um, I know watcher was the first thing that came up. So then I was like, well, there's who watches the watchers from uh, next gen. And so I was like, what if something there, I don't know if you remember that particular episode, they essentially um, uh, find a proto Vulcan race that's still like in the bronze age and they like accidentally interact with them and they yes, have to like the mortals yeah. were not gods. Right. So potentially I was like, so what if there's something there to where you have to go back to pre-warp earth? Right. And what if there's something that happens with like a godlike entity and you have to prove that it's not, it's not a godlike entity. There could be something interesting there. Um, and then I was like, but then we also still need potentially a godlike entity. So then there's plenty of those um, throughout. Um, we have, I also then thought about um, actually where Medusans, which is what zero is on prodigy um, who can, who the site of which would make, uh, men turn mad so maybe Q had a squabble with a Medusin and that's why he's not doing okay that was another yeah. thing I thought about um, cool. and then the other one is the or um, Organians which are also non-corporal beings pure energy beings um, and they actually inflicted I was like this might be too specific um, they inflicted a silicon based virus <laughs> that they then had to um, help get rid of. So I was like, yeah, I, I saw that episode recently. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to double down on the virus shit chat on, on, uh, on Trek, but I was like, I feel like they, the, all of this could potentially be there, but we're probably going to get something completely new. Cause that's what they like doing with the new shows. But yeah, it's fun to theorize what we could bring back from the past. <laughs> it is, you know, and you know, if there's something really, um, uh, obscure they can bring back from the past and in, 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 in a fun new way, like I'm all for it, you know? Yeah. Um, everyone in the chat is calling out Jerry Ryan oh, as yeah. the MVP and Allison Pill as an MVP. I What was it? Like seven shot Annika? Like, no, no, she was my drinking buddies. Like yeah. that was so great. Like <laughs> just, I, I, you know, you know, I love Allison Pill. I thought she owned this and she's bringing so much, uh, like like last season, her character was fun to watch, but there was a lot of weirdness and sadness and darkness and a lot of like, is she good or bad? Here, it's like, I'm just part of the team and I'm just rolling around and tossing jokes left and right, making things fun. Like, it's a great character. Mm-hmm. It is funny, though. Like, there's uh, people in the chat are asking, where's Soji in this timeline? Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like the show is like, uh, we kind of like these other characters. So Soji will leave her somewhere else. And uh uh, that that the the elf dwarf he's dead he died. I don't think he's going to be dead though, and I'm wondering if oh that's the other thing is what it, my other thought I had was that um, Soji is the watcher. Mm, okay, and that's how we're going to link back up with her. Um, I guess that's fine. So we'll 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 see on that one. But uh, I saw lots of of people being like, perhaps it's Guinan that would I, I feel like yeah. also fit in um, with with this theory. Um, that they have to find someone who's also going to be aware. Because Guinan, I think, uh, uh, in other episodes of TNG, also knew when things in the timeline had shifted, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, she did. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, lots lots to talk about Guinan being the the watcher. Um, oh, people are saying Gerardi uh, is a happy functional drunk. Yes, she is. Yes, thirty eight. Yes. Um, I I like this comment real quick that I want to address from um, it was Chupi. Maybe the watcher is a Sung, one of the creators of of Data. Um, I did notice uh, General Evil General Picard's catchphrase was something like. A safe earth is a human earth or a safe mm-hmm. world is a human world. And they had that pipe through the speakers around the city. And there was a scene where, right before we cut to the scene where he's supposed to execute the board queen. That phrase is piped through the city, but it's Brent Spiner's voice. Oh, interesting. I, re- I rewinded. And I was like, is that Brent Spiner? And it, it was. And it's funny that the side that, you know, the mm-hmm. the synth is talking about, you know, a, a real or person it, is human. So. Right. But I guess it doesn't have to be like Data's voice, right? Because he played. Right. Um, it could be assumed like uh, mm-hmm. like Chupi was saying. So yeah. we know Brent Spiner is going to be in this season. I don't think he's just going to be a voice. So he might be the watcher. Maybe it is assumed. Yeah, that, that could be interesting. Um, I also then, you know, I, I was joking around with my spouse that this is going to be the Save the Whales season because they're coming back to 2024. And like, what are some of the things they'd have to solve for that they've sort of breadcrumbed through as well that don't have any direct ties to like Picard's personal story, which I I was like, well, there could be something about climate change because like there's, you know, we just had the big climate change report and we essentially have like two years to try to not increase the Earth's temperature by one 0.5 degrees or we're all going to suffer even more. Um, and then with Los Angeles, there is like, uh, there are like nuclear power plants that are getting shut off in that area too. So I was like, I don't know, there's, there's all kinds of interesting potential if you think about just the, and there's, of course, I was like the most obvious thing. And I don't think they'll go there because they don't usually do that in particular is, um, you know, there's another presidential election in 2024. So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're going to go there, but those were just things that I could think of that would specifically pertain to Los Angeles in the year 2024. <laughs> Very true. Um, well, before we dive into disco, um, I'm, I'm just enjoying this so much. And we've seen the third episode. I won't talk about it now, but I'm so looking forward to talking about it. Um, another thing I liked, uh, we, you asked me about the Borg Queen and I forgot to say this before. I did say she's kind of part of the Scooby gang, but it, you ever watch Buffy? It feels like she's the spike. Hmm. I've seen a, a handful of episodes of Buffy, mm-hmm. so I can understand the reference, but yeah, I, yeah, not, yeah. not deeply. <laughs> I think that's super smart. Like she's just, she's not, she's not the antagonist, but she's, she's a spike. She's a villain you have to work with. She's your CI. I like that. Yeah. I mean, another kind of deep space nine, right? It's like, eventually you have to work with some uh, Cardassians to get things done. Right. So that's true. Very interesting. You want to lead us into uh, disco talk? Um, what was the episode called? It was called 10C. Species 10C. Species All right. Hot freak on, on disco. Uh, episode 12? 12. Episode 12, our penultimate. We only have one more. Right. Um, so this is your alert. If you have not watched yet, it's your time to tune out of the stream and revisit us again later. Don't forget, you can visit us at StarTrekPod.co. Just minimize now. Minimize your browser. Keep it playing. Yeah, just let it keep playing. Come back, rewind it. I'll do a little what, rewind it to here. <laughs> 
now you know it's where mariah does a silly silly hand gesture um yeah my hot freak about this particular episode and i want to look up the um how oh, what's his name what a I'm going to, it's going to drive me crazy. I remember I saw the credits come up and I know it's directed by Olatune Onsunsame, which is one of my yeah. favorite directors of, yeah. of the show. Um, and I think it's uh, Jerry starts with a J anyway, Jared for something um, who wrote it, but um, it's going to drive me nuts. I'll look it up, but uh, he's also one of my favorite writers. Um, some of the episodes he's written have been some of my favorite throughout the season um, and, and past seasons, but my hot break is this was, trek to me at its like prime it was nerdy it was like full of math and science ways to figure stuff out you have like people who think they're in the right and they're actually in the wrong and you have to try to solve everything before it's too late and we built up all of these stakes and now we have everything in the air and i think we've built up everything as high as it can possibly go stake wise for this finale so i think they've done the job um i love burnham and um, uh, Saru's re relationship in this. I love that we essentially get the Vulcan version of I love you, which is I have strong <laughs> feelings <laughs> about you, um, which I found really endearing and, and like a nice breath for a moment to be like, these are all characters and, uh, and, and people, right? These are all actual individuals who have like love for each other and care for each other and have to try to solve this obscenely large problem. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. The bots essentially went and farted on a on a galactic bubble. <laughs> What's not to love? They farted their feelings out on a big <laughs> bubble and then they yeah. got eaten up. Um, in the chat, Puds38 is kind of uh, speaking my feelings here, great use of Jet Reno and nice callback to her backstory. Um, I think it, that scene where, where Reno is connecting with Book finally and talking about her past and how she held on to this one crew member who was dying because the crew member reminded Jet of her deceased wife because um, they had the same eyes. Um, I stood up and paid attention to that scene more than any other scene um because tig really sold that yeah and it was it was extremely emotional and it it was uh finally was uh turning the page for book right mm -hmm. so that was a great way to do that so kudos to the writers and i do love that the show uh even though there's this this huge like you said obscenely large problem that no one has ever faced before in star trek uh uh, seemingly uh, that they have to solve the show is still very concerned with exploring how this issue affects the characters emotionally it's not just like oh we need to solve this problem it's we need to solve this problem but it's also fucking scary and fucking us up and and we need to talk about that and deal with it so we can get our head straight and be our best selves while solving this problem i thought that was super cool and it's it's um it's something special about discovery. Discovery is one of the few shows that really does take the time to tell these deep like micro human stories in every episode when the whole episode is about it's plot driven, but then we get these great little character stories about um the what the environment and what the threat is doing to people internally because it's the show acknowledging that that stuff matters more than anything. 
Um, and I think, of course, during the pandemic, we've all, if we didn't know it already as a culture, we've really come to realize that. Um, so the show is doing a great job responding to where we are socially um, in the real world. Yeah. Um, so I applaud it for that. That being said, I was still kind of bored throughout this episode. Oh no, I loved yeah. it so much. It's it, yeah. it it's one of those. Um, I don't know. I in as someone who just like enjoys, I don't know, like weird nerdy science shit. Like the way that they were like, yes, math is still the universal language even out here, and like even in rewatching it. So like, there's a line. I, I started rewatching it right before we we jumped on here, so I didn't get to finish my rewatch. But um, there's a line in. Uh, from the kind of uh, doctor expert dude who's our decoder where he was like, it's essentially they see us as being like chimps using rocks, right? As far as like the technological divide. And so when they show up to the the barrier and they're like, nothing's happening, they're not listening to us. I was like, it's this, like, it's if you're out in nature and like you hear a bird, like there's a bird somewhere off in the distance, like you're not really paying attention to that, right? Like your safety alarms or an ant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's outside of your periphery. You're just like, this doesn't really matter to me. And I was like, oh, it's so there's like so many layers. I really think this show is like even better on rewatches sometimes because you can see like the seeds that they've planted along the way. Um, I think this will be a good binge once it's over. Yeah, I agree. Um, Um, and Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to just say Kyle Jaro was the name of the writer because it yes. was going to drive me Kyle bananas, Jaro. who also wrote the episode where they have to get the prisoners off of that um, meteor. That was a highlight. Yeah. Which was a great app. So shouts to Kyle. <laughs> I like Marge's hot freak on this disco episode. She's quoting the episode, quote, how do we convey the concept of us? And Marge says, this is the heart of Trek. Yeah. Did, did that scene stand out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's such a fun puzzle. How do you say this is something that's harming us when you can't say that literally, right? And you have to figure out how to mathematically uh, express that. And so it was so like, to me, I felt every frustration from those characters when they're so close to finally being like, oh, I think if we just tell them they're going to turn it off. And then you have dumb butt Tarka coming around, not doing himself any favors in my book, all of the sympathy you thought you were going to get for me after that whole ass backstory yeah. episode yep. out the goddamn window. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I want you to get destroyed, but now you're on a ship with two of my favorite characters. So we can't just destroy you. And I am mad. <laughs> I, okay. I'm mad too, but I'm mad for a different reason. Like, um, it feels like with every Tarka episode, the show has been telling us this is someone not to be trusted. And this is someone who is going to be in opposition to what our, our heroes are doing. Right. And, and then it, they gave us one episode. We're like, Hey, maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's more to this guy. Oh no, no, he's just, no, he's an obstacle. We need to get rid of him. It's like, Oh, I mean, okay. I knew this already. There's no new information here. So that was kind of frustrating. I know he tried to be like, I'm different from other people on like Ryza because it's all just like a pleasure planet and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the, the, like the, the thing you could say about like the worst trait of like a Ryzean would be that they're selfish. And I feel like Tarka is like the most selfish character I have ever encountered (laughs) of late. I would much rather hang out with like Vanessa Williams from Ryza. Duh. (laughs) 
than Tarka for Risa. <laughs> Any day. And I'm just like, there has, to me, it's like, even if you, I mean, he says it, I've only had two friends and you're one of them to book. It's like, how are you going to betray then? You're literally doing it again, Tarka. You have not learned any of your freaking lessons. He makes me so angry. Um, and, you I, know, it feels like it's supposed to be a like a deep tragedy with this character, but I don't feel it. I don't, I don't feel, feel it. it. They need to kill him by the end. The only justification I can have, we used to kill people left, right, and center on season one of Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. and I'm ready for another like slapdash. Give me a like a, a freaking whatever, 10C, beheading him. Don't care. He's gone. He needs to be out of here. He's unredeemable to me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is very well acted, though. So shout yeah, to good. Sean Doyle. Like, he's good. I hate you with so much passion because you've done a great job of acting this character out. <laughs> Yeah, like Kern says, if Tarka treats his friends like book that way, imagine how he treats people he considers to be enemies. Yeah, it it doesn't make the character doesn't make sense. It's kind of, characters kind of doing what the plot wants him to do. I they could kill him. I I could I wouldn't care less. I would rather they rehabilitate the character into something like um uh, a little more interesting and consistent and engaging because Sean is a great actor, like. That'd be cool if he comes back next season and the character, like, like the kind of the way they retooled Gerardi a little bit in Picard, like they made her more of a fun comic foil, you know, do something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling Tarka. Mad. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be so mad for a long time about Tarka. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't even like, like, I don't believe in prisons. I'm fully for like rehabilitation of stuff and like all of this shit. And I'm just like, Tarka can, can go sit in a pit. <laughs> Airlock Tarka. Hashtag Airlock Tarka says Marge. Yeah, I think we're with you, Marge. Uh, They they can rehab him by throwing him out of an airlock. Where's Javik when you really need him? Says Mr. Joseph 45. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Well, okay. Tell me. Oh, I was going to ask you, what did you think? We finally got to see a fuzzy Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know. It was just a fuzzy CGI effect. <laughs> like it wasn't very impressive. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. It's like, I don't know. We for so long have had only humanoid like species on Trek or things that we can imagine that exist, like essentially taking something that already exists on earth and having to like make it the like alien version of it. Right. So I sort of appreciate the fact that they're like, these beings are beyond our comprehension. They're beyond our technological advancements. Um, you know, they even said like, we're barely this type one. I forgot what the the scale is, but like, they're like clearly on a type two. Someone in the chat had mentioned it. Um, oh, there it is. Stress-free K said, um, Tensi is a type two civilization according to the uh, Kardashev scale and the Federation is barely a type one. And so, um, you know, I appreciate that. I think in our context, we always think of, like the Federation and Trek being this like vast future technology and, and like essentially they're just like, yeah, we're cool. But like these people are far beyond anything we could even think of or dream of. Um, And part of what I also really liked about it is that this idea of the pheromones and these, like the way that they communicate um, to me means that like feelings and empathy are literally universal. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I found really beautiful. That is a beautiful idea. Again, 
discovery coming with those themes and ideas that you don't see on a lot of shows, especially science fiction shows these days that are what's inside of us, the emotions that drive us and that connect us uh, universally are what matters. That's mm -hmm. amazing. They're still fumbling the execution of getting those ideas across to me a little bit. I did find myself drifting in this episode. Um, a lot of it just, I mean, I'm sure if I watch it again in a binge, maybe I won't feel that way. But maybe since the show itself is kind of guilty of uh, hanging the uh, the carrot of the 10C over us for like five, six episodes already, I was just primed to find out what was going to happen with that. And so much of this episode was just sitting or standing around in a cargo bay theorizing, um, which can be great, but I just didn't find it super compelling. Uh, the ideas and the themes and the, the nobility behind what they were doing, uh, even in the writer's room. I love it, but just the execution is, is kind of iffy for me. Um, I liked when we did get like kind of the crew up in the cargo bay where they, um, called in Detmer and, um, uh, some of our other crew members to kind right. of talk through how to solve this and like how they were like, well, it could be like music and like all of these things. And um, anyway, I enjoyed like the, the rabbit, essentially they went down like a Wikipedia rabbit hole <laughs> in real time to figure out how to talk to uh 10C, which I, I enjoyed seeing that. Cause I, I think we've gotten all of these like nice little nods to a lot of our bridge crew. And so I like when we get to actually see them all working together to solve a problem, similar yeah. to like how Bryce in that episode was like, Oh, it's like windsurfing and here's how we can use it. And I, I find those moments with the bridge crew to be more um, believable than like trauma dumping at random moments um, personally. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You can't talk me down from this. I love this episode. No, that's, no. <laughs> we also got uh, like an abyss, an abyss arm coming out of the gravitational yeah, yeah. thing, which was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like an updated abyss arm. That threw me back a little bit. I was like, all right, some James Cameron shit happening yeah. here. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, yeah. P.W. Gregory says, more staff meetings, please, in my Star Trek. Not in the real world, thanks. Yeah, no more Zoom staff meetings. I'll take all the bridge crew hanging out. Um I I liked how uh, Reno kind of going jumping back, but Reno consistently trying to get Book to change his mind because we saw that from the the moment that Tarka brought up that uh, display of the of the formulas, Reno was just like, nah, that's not, you're you're not doing what you said you're doing. This is going to be bad. Um, I am a little disappointed in our earth general i was hoping we'd get a little bit more i don't know critical thought and execution out of her rather than just being kind of a, a bit of a pawn in tarka's game here um that was a little disappointing but i'm i'm hoping she yeah. gets a redeeming moment in some way i'm not feeling that character either um stress free k mentions uh uh, this was a big Googling episode for me because Linkos, the mathematical language um, that they reference here from SETI, is also fascinating. The way they tied it to hydrocarbon groupings. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. This might have just been an Ultimate Nerd episode. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. 
Uh, and that could be why it really tickled my fancy in my brain space. But I am glad we got, like I said, in, in my hot freak, we got some of those kind of pause and emotional moments. I enjoyed um, Saru and, and Burnham having a good scream before they have to go save the literal galaxy again in, in, uh, in the ready room. So I enjoyed that there's at least a moment of like, we're not perfect beings, right? Like we have to relieve stress in some way, shape or form. That was a good scene. The the screaming scene, I was back in it. I was like, okay, I love seeing these two characters help each other. Um, but like Harmon said, Jet is such a great character. Mm-hmm. And Marge is echoing that. I love seeing Jet front and center. Yeah. And I hell yeah. I think we all love Jet. I saw someone tweet um, about how like there was a lot of people who were uh, saying that Tignataro is just a, a, a comic and how can you put put her in this show and have her act with all of these amazing people. And then like, it's episodes like this where I'm just like, no, she's like, she's, she's very good at this. She yeah. knows how to convey emotion. Have you not she- seen one Mississippi, the show yeah. she wrote and directed that is all about childhood trauma in which she has a million dramatic scenes and is amazing. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Shouts to Tig. Great job. Um, yeah. I'm really, I I'm hoping we don't lose book. I'm like going to go stock his IMDB page to make sure he didn't book something else. <laughs> And that's why we might not get the character anymore. But um, did did we know yeah. he was the fifth Cleveland Booker? That was that was a new piece of information. Yeah, the origin cool. story of the name. I enjoyed that. I like that too. I like the idea of a line and someone passing on all the good that they've made for themselves in the world to somebody else. Like that that generosity of spirit is a total Star Trek vibe. I loved it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so it's interesting. And, you know, my my heart breaks for book in a way because he's essentially explaining like his his essential like language. He is an empath, empath, right? Like we know that about him and his uh, and his species. And so um, trust is such a big layer of communication for him. And so even in being a courier, he's like, we we have to have these levels of trust because that's the only way you can get anything done. And so he fully put all of this trust into Tarka, who saw someone who was hurting and in in this huge puddle of grief um, and just like took full advantage of that. Um, And so I can feel for Book in this situation about being very regretful of of it all, but it's also hard when you put those blinders on and there was no one else besides Michael that Book really trusted in that instance that's left, right? Like, yes, he's friends with people on disco, but Michael's really it. And everyone else he kind of knew and love was, was taken away from him. So it's like, if you have this big empty void and someone who's willing to take advantage of that. Um, anyway, I think, I think um, uh, the book still stays sympathetic to me um, yeah, in, in me so too. many ways. Yeah. Me too. Very much. And I, to the point where I'm like, book, don't, you sure you lost your world, you lost your family, but don't throw away the new family you've made on discovery. I'm yeah. like, come on book. I feel like if, um, grudge was on board, grudge would have known Tarka was up to some sneaky shit. This is why you don't get rid of the cat. <laughs> yes. Keep the cat on your ship at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I think I'm going to watch this one again because it had a lot of like, ideas that i responded to but i wasn't into the execution but maybe there's 
that maybe I'll like it in a second time. I only watched it once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Give it a go. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, Anything yeah. else to say about this episode? I don't know. Do you have any big big theories? Do you think we're going to save save everything by the end of the season, or do you think we're going to end on a cliffhanger? Hmm. I think we might end on a cliffhanger. Ooh. I think we might. Yeah, I think I can see the show stretching this out for another season for sure. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Or what, what if think? we jump to? What if we we love going to new places? <laughs> what if? <laughs> We seem to only hang out in a universe per season. <laughs> um, yeah. So what if we're we're all of a sudden just stuck in the intense space and we're exploring yeah. everything over there? It could be interesting. That'd be fun. I mean, I would like to see like, like I've been watching Enterprise lately and I'm in the fourth season and they're doing something cool in the fourth season or they did something cool where they have these three episode trilogy arcs mm-hmm. and they're pretty deep and entertaining arcs but they only last three episodes mm. and then there's a new arc every three episodes and like you get engaged in the story and then it wraps up pretty um, uh, it, the conclusions are usually pretty satisfying. And then they jump to a new story that builds on the previous one. So I would love to see disco kind of do something like that. Like if this story with the 10 C and we're stuck in 10 C space, if that leads into next season and we're still in 10 C space we have like a cool three or four episode arc about being in there and, and trying to get out. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. And, to, and then mm-hmm. we can move on to another story. Yeah. Um, I do also have hope that potentially Tilly and gray are going to come save the day at the end of all this, like Tilly and all the cadets and gray have figured it out and, and have come to save the day. That could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, we do need to see Tilly, right? Before mm-hmm. the she's gonna be the Riker who flies in and saves everybody at yeah. the end. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, and Takako is saying if if Disco stayed in that galaxy, we won't get to see Tilly or Gray. That's that's true. Or the next season is Tilly and Gray trying to get everybody back. Yeah, you know, yeah. we got a little split, a little split universe, you know. Could be. Potentially. All right. Um Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Thursday to talk more about we're gonna talk about the finale, season finale mm-hmm. of Disco and episode three of Picard. Again, we'll do Picard first. We'll talk about Picard at the top of the show, then dive into Disco. Um uh, I'm really enjoying Picard and Disco's solid. So this is a great time for Trek fans. I hope everybody's enjoying it. Um, Mariah, tell people where they can find us. Yeah, so you can visit StarTrekPod.co where you can find all the links to subscribe to the audio and video versions of the show. Uh, If you want to subscribe on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and then hit the notification bell so you know when we're going live. And uh, yeah, also visit us at Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod so you can come hang out with us uh, during the week and do watch alongs and talk about all of my crazy theories in the chat. We have a good time. (laughs) Yeah, we are we are in that chat and the watch alongs people have are, are are a blast. So yeah, visit us there at Patreon and we will be back next week. Live long and prosper. Bye.